What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Crazy Face Uno podcast, where everyone has a story and everyone's story matters. What's your story? If you'd like to support the show and help us tell more stories like the one you're about to hear, please visit crazyfaceuno.com today. There, you can purchase items from our online store and donate. As always, I'm your host, Shane McNeely, and boy, are you in for a treat today. It is my honor and privilege to introduce our guest today, all the way from Monterey, Mexico, Iram Virreo. I almost got it. Did I get it wrong? <laughs> you did it as good as I think you could get it. Yeah, I was practicing, guys. I uh, my <laughs> the R's are tough. <laughs> yeah, Aram, will you say your name for everyone so that they can actually hear how it's actually supposed to be said? Yeah, so it's Iram Villarreal. All right, perfect, dude. We first met at Invisible Children like so many of my guests and we're it's funny you know like we were talking in the beginning it's been years uh, you know since we've talked but we've like followed each other on facebook and social media but you know we haven't kept in touch and we haven't uh chatted in a while so it's really good to have you on the show i, I want to say thank you for coming on thanks for having me i i'm really excited i've, I've listened to a few other friends and colleagues on your podcast and yeah. I was always wondering like ooh I wonder like how how I can get there mm-hmm. um, and it's 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 really a privilege to be here Awesome man well the uh, privilege is all mine Dude I have I I mean I know it a little bit um if you've been listening to the podcast you probably know I get on Facebook usually and stalk you on Facebook and then kind of make a few notes and so I kind of know what you're doing but what are you up to these days yeah, so um, I'm currently working here in, in Monterrey for um, UNHCR's field office. Um, that's United nice. Nations High Commissioner for Refugees. Awesome. It's been less than a year. Um, I spent two years with a partner, um, another nonprofit in Mexico City, okay. um, working with refugees as well. Um, my focus has always been employment, so... Mm. Anything that means integration for them and anything that means uh, making uh, an income for them and their families. Um, And, of course, everything that surrounds that, right? So um, it's been almost three years that I've been doing this, a little less than a year with the UNHCR. That's that's cool. What is it uh, as far as where are your clients or the people that you work with? Where are they all coming from? Is it just around the world or? Well, it really changes. It's, I mean, it, it's mostly Central America, mm-hmm. um, Venezuela, but we get these like surges of uh, different communities coming in, okay. depending on the the political climate at the moment. Like, sure. Um, and I can't really like get too into detail with this, but I remember a few years back during the um, the Muslim ban. Um, yeah. The next week, we had about thirty um, Somalians at our office. Okay. So, it really does change with the the political context of the moment. Yeah, and where the the unrest might yeah. be around the world. That makes yeah, sense. Yeah, it's it's a, yeah, it's a very interesting way of understanding the world, but through different eyes. I I love my my work. Yeah, that's really cool. That's awesome. When you left Invisible Children, did you did you go like 
straight into this type of like role or what was the path to get from like your invisible children days to where you are? I didn't. Um, I was very young. So like when I, when I first got into invisible children, I must've been 18, 19 cause I was fresh out of high school. Yeah. Um, and then after that, so I went to school, I did a few internships. Okay. Um, I did another uh, great one in, in D.C. with, um, at the moment, it was called the World Security Institute. I think they changed their name now. Okay. Um, it's called Global Zero because they, they mostly focus yeah, yeah. on, um, like, world security and, um, and like, nuclear non-proliferations and, yeah. like, very, very, like, high-profile things that I don't understand a lot about. But, yeah. Um, no, I'm so familiar I had a with few, Global like, Zero. Yeah, they're, they seem to yeah. be doing some good work, though. They do amazing work. Um so I um, just like did a few internships, kind of like on the on the like topic, I guess, uh, like security. Um, sure. But Monterrey is very industrial. Like it, there's a uh, a lot of big corporations. So the logical option for me was more into like the the corporate world. Um, not just because that's what everyone does here, but that's what we have here. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. After a while, I got a little just like. Like, I'm not really the most passionate about working at an office and just, like, mm. you know, like, doing Excel sheets. So, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. So I had I had the chance to – I won a scholarship in 2016 um, to spend a year in France teaching Spanish. Mm. Um, and they assign a school where you can go work. Um, and it just happened that the school I was assigned to was in this very um, – like oh, I don't know what the word in English is, but it's like this community outside of Paris um, that is very known for um, um, being host for immigrants and, and refugees, and yeah. even those that were uh, French-born have some kind of direct relation with immigration. So yeah. I would say that was even though I've I've had some stories in the past, like Invisible Children, that was my first um, like actual work directly mm. with um refugees and immigration and yeah um right after that it just kind of like clicked um i was actually trying to stay in france um but i started looking at other fake um open positions in mexico and okay um i found this nonprofit, and i love nonprofit work and the community yeah. and just like the, the way that people think around um when you're in a nonprofit. so right decided to stay instead in mexico and then it was just step at a time and now i'm here that's so cool. Did you spend, correct me if I'm wrong, but did you spend some time in Iran? Iran? I did. Um, I, when I was in France, I, I, I went there for about two or three weeks um, during winter. Mm-hmm. Um, now, this was just like a holiday. This was just me uh, doing tourism and yeah. um, looking for like different um, places to go to. And I loved it so much and I met so many people and the experience was amazing. And I went back a second time during the spring slash summer. Yeah. Um, cause one of the people I met was a teacher and he wanted okay. me to go back and teach English to, um, his students at, at the, in a place called, um, Kashan. So mm. I went back, um, both for work and slash tourism. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. You spent a good chunk of time. I remember See, this is like, I followed you. I remember like seeing your pictures and seeing some of your posts about, you know, being there and your time there. And so, uh, that like stuck out to me. 
yeah that's cool that's a that's a place I that not a lot of people get it. to visit you know or like don't go to yeah it, it just like it, it had never occurred to me what actually happened and i don't think i've ever told this story um i really wanted to go to iceland um mm. so i was like about to book my flight and it was like a, a a certain price i don't remember what it was yeah and then just as i was about to click i was like "Ooh, but like Iceland, Iceland is very like pricey. Like, where else can I go that's not as expensive? Yeah. And um, it was this website where, where you get to see like all the flights um, um, to like different places depending on the price. And the uh-huh. one right after Iceland was Iran. I was like, <laughs> oh, I wonder. Like, let's um, go. It was just like something that happened. In, yeah, I was like, I mean, I'm already in the in, at the other side of the world, and yeah. Like flights are cheaper and distances are shorter, uh-huh. um, so why not? And it literally just happened like in the moment, and I just like clicked and, and purchased the, the flight. And um, I was very very scared, and yeah. it turns out I had nothing to be scared about. But That's cool. I, I it's probably the best trip I've ever taken. That's awesome. I mean, so you just went blind, like you didn't have any connections, any idea what you're gonna do. You just kind of like figured it out on your own or um, how did that work? <laughs> like that I, seems like the scary part to me is like, I, just that big... <laughs> I mean, I, I was scared, but, um, and I did go like blind basically, but yeah. uh, something that pushed me and convinced me to actually do it and that I knew it was a safe place regardless of what people said mm. was, um, a friend's boyfriend had been there a few months back. Okay. Um, and he was this like, oh, I shouldn't say this, but he was this guy that just like was very like unaware of like the world. So mm. I was like, if he can go there and enjoy <laughs> it and like, you know, like, keep stereotypes away, like I'm sure I'll be fine. <laughs> um, so yeah, like I knew it was okay, but I knew nothing. Yeah. That's funny. That's funny. Um, are you, were you born in Mexico? I was born and raised um, okay. because I'm so close to the border. Um, I do think there's like a different culture in the north part of Mexico, specifically the city. Yeah. Um, we're very criticized for being more Americanized. Um, sure. But yeah, I'm, I'm born and raised. Uh, don't have any other nationalities or anything like that. That's cool. And so you were born in Monterey? Yeah, born in Monterey. Nice. Nice. Um, I was going to ask about France, too. How did, did you like France? Did you like Europe, that area? Did you get to travel outside of just France itself? Yeah, I I think um, before I went to Iran, France was my favorite place. Um, I had the chance to go there during high school. So um, my goal was to learn French. And at that time, I already knew I wanted to go more into like um, like the diplomatic world. So I wanted to learn uh, French. So I had a really good experience during high school there for a year. And um, I always wanted to go back because I had a lot of friends, but it just never really happened. And money was tight and stuff. So in 2016, I applied uh, for this scholarship um, to go teach there. And I, I love France. I love uh, just everything and, and all the museums and culture. And there's so many things to see in the mm-hmm. history. Yeah, um, I think now after all different experiences that I've had. Um, I mean, I still love France, but it's not necessarily like my favorite place at the moment. Um, sure. But 
like I, I still love it and want to go back and I love everything about it. Yeah, that's cool. I, my wife and I, we like had a layover, like a 12 hour layover in Paris. And so we like jumped out, went to the Eiffel Tower, walked around a bit. It's, it was like 10 o'clock by the time we, like PM, by the time we got there. So it was like late. We're like jet lag, like we're tired, you know, <laughs> we ended up like buying a hotel room just to sleep for like four hours and then got back on the plane. Like it was, uh, we were coming from Thailand back from our honeymoon. So we had already been on the plane for like 12 hours and then we had like a 12 hour layover and then another like six or seven hours. I don't know. It was another like long flight, nine hours. And so it was a quick little, you know, stop and go, but it's a place I'd like to go back to and explore a little bit more for sure. You should. It's it's wonderful, and I think Paris at night is is magical. I, oh yeah, just walking um, down the streets and yeah. And there's like, I mean, even though it was late, I mean, it was pretty busy still. You know, everybody was out and about, and uh, there was still people going and things things happening. You know, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's a it's a place I want to go and visit eventually. You know, go back to for sure. Dude, I started... Um, and the food is wonderful. Yeah, that's what I hear. Everybody says the same thing, like food and wine and just the culture in, in and of itself, you know, is, is an experience. Um, and like you said, too, the like history and the museums and there's just so much culture there. Yeah. I, I've started this new thing and I, I kind of forgot about it. Um what are three words you would use to describe yourself? Ooh. <laughs> Putting you on the spot. Um, yeah, you should have told me. Um, <laughs> good question. Um, I would say community is one of them. Um, it doesn't necessarily define me per se, but like that's one of the words that I really hold. Yeah. Um, like... It's really important for me. So community. I like that. Um, what else? Um, I don't know. It's hard. I don't. I don't even. I couldn't even give you an answer for myself. So like, I mean, I'm gonna ask. I'm gonna ask you right after. Ah, <laughs> uh, crap. Here we go. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm thinking of like the world. The word um, tolerance, but I want to find one that doesn't imply like. I don't agree, but I put up with it because to me that's the defi- definition of tolerance, and I don't yeah. like it. So I'm trying to think of something that kind of has that meaning. I guess respect, but I don't yeah. know if I Patience. would say that. So yeah, uh, I yeah. So I guess like a good version of tolerance would be the second uh, one. I need to give it a thought, and yeah. um, the third one I would say, and it's not something I've. Um, I probably wouldn't have said this before, but it's what's coming up at the moment. So self-care is the third one. Um, cool. It's two words. So technically those are my four words. Um, community tolerance and self-care. Self-care. Yeah. You know, so it's one. <laughs> yeah, no, I like that. Is That's it. cool. I, I mean, I love that you said community. I, I firmly believe, you know, I mean, even just the sharing of people's stories with Crazy Face Uno is... Um, it's a community, you know, and part of the direction I would love to have is there's more of this like network of people, you know, as you come onto the show and as people follow and listen, it's, it's sharing people's lives. You know, we, we live in such a divided world and 
so often, I mean, how many times do you have the opportunity to, I mean, when was the last time that you sat down with your friends and like had an open dialogue about your life like this, you know, long form for an hour, hour and a half. And I think that's special. And I think that's, it's a community. It's a, it's sharing a part of your world and a part of your life. And that's something that I really believe in that life's meant to be shared. And I, and I mean, that is in the community aspect of things, you know? And so I really like that word. I think that's a really cool word. To I think yourself. one one of the reasons why I wanted to do this was I feel like there are a lot of spaces where you know you get to have a conversation with people but you you focus on one thing you know like mm. um, like if, if you're gonna interview someone like the easiest thing is you ask about their work what do what do you do and yeah I feel like a lot of people put a lot of um, value on what you do and I mean of course it's a part of of, of a person's life and to me like my, my my job is is a great part of of who i am right now and i yeah. love it but what i love about this is you talk about what happens you know like behind the scenes and mm. you talk about you know what like what got you there and what what yeah. makes you like wake up every day and i i think that has a lot to do with community like for sure i could share like a very specific um almost like bullet points of you know like who iram is yeah but the fact that we get to sit down and just like, you know, like open books, share everything yeah. and anything. And to me, that's community. And I love that. Mm. I'm right there with you. I I completely agree. Yeah. And it, it's funny because I, I had uh, Ann Wang. I don't know. Did you ever meet Ann? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I had her on. We had a similar conversation. You know, it's like there's so much value. And I've had multiple conversations about this, but especially in America. And I know you're in Mexico right now, but I think the world is kind of adopted some of this but we put so much of the individual person's like identity and even as you know the person like even as Iram and like as Shane like you put so much value on what you do what your work is um it's a it's an identifier um and I struggle with that a little bit because as you've probably seen like all my posts about my guests I usually just have their like title of like what they do and what they're doing. And I struggle with that a little bit, but yeah. at the same time, I'm like, I don't know how else to do it. <laughs> Does that make sense? But like, I mean, it's, it's, it's like, you know, that's like the first door that you hit. So you have to knock that door, open it and yeah. then see what's like in the room and, and, and get the conversation. Flowing. Yeah. And to some people, that's just, I think that's just a way to break the ice and, and, yeah. Like for me, and I don't know if this is something I should say, but I, I have a lot of insecurities. And to me, my job is like one okay, of the things that I'm sure about. Yeah. And and I feel like it, it gives me a lot of confidence. Mm. And it also gives me a story to tell. So it's, yeah. it's also understandable um, to have that be like the first approach to a conversation or to yeah. ha have that be like the, um, I don't know, like the opening number, I want to say. Yeah. Um, but I do think that we need to, I, I just heard about uh, someone close to mine that just like had a, a hard few months um, these past few months and sure. just lost his job and, and mm. just like ended a relationship. And I, I was just talking about this with my, with my mom, how like his identity is like shaken and he doesn't mm. know who he really is just yeah. because he lost, you know, like that title of what your job is yeah. and, you know, like, a my my job b my relationship c um i don't know my hobby and that's 
I don't know. It's it's. I don't even know where I'm going with this, but yeah. I feel like we we have the identity that we present to others, and then once we take that out, like who are we? And and we need to think more about that because yeah, if we wake up tomorrow and we don't have what we have today, who are we? And mm. that actually touches a lot on 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 refugees and immigration and 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 the job that I do. If mm-hmm. if Shane tomorrow had to wake up, let's say I don't know in thailand yeah and you don't speak the language and you don't know the culture and you don't mm-hmm. like who is shane and who am i, I yeah I, exactly. I don't know. It's, it's it's a it's a great exercise to think about yeah well and that's why i've started to incorporate the three like what are three words that describe you because um and i want to get to that like more in the beginning of you know the podcast uh just right out of the gates um because I think it's, you know, I, I do lead into and I always start with kind of like your job and what you're doing for work and kind of like, you know, and then we go back and kind of let us down that path of like, okay, this is what you're doing now, right? But like, how did you get there? You know, was this what you always wanted to do? Uh, right. Is there something else you want to do? But I think it's really cool to incorporate like how you would describe yourself, right? Um into this platform i guess because of the same things it's 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 the identifier and you're talking about your friend i mean when i first started crazy face duno and started doing this and i still struggle with this um it is an identity thing you know like i people are like what do you do you know like what do you do for work i'm like well i started this storytelling brand called crazy face duno and they're like what's that you know (laughs) like what's that mean (laughs) and so it's always a good intro into it but um you know and then it's just interesting like how your words and how we put, you know, value on the individual based on the things they're doing and what they're doing and who they are. And, um, I love the idea or like the, you know, that the, um, I don't know, just like a, almost like a societal practice of just being like, what if you woke up? Like you said, what if I woke up in Thailand? I didn't speak the language. I don't, you know, I don't have a job. I don't have anything. Who am I? What, what, what is my makeup? What is my value? And because I do have value, regardless of where I, you know, but it's, right. it's, uh, maybe self-care. It's like your number three, you know, of kind of like uh-huh. re-examining and, and taking a look at your own individual self. Life's, life's tough, man. It's a, it's a interesting roller coaster, isn't it? It's a very interesting roller coaster. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I think that's why I think self-care is so, so important, um, for me. Mm-hmm. Just like I've had, and not even through tough times, like even during the good times, I've I've moved around a lot. And every every time I wake up in a different place and I have to like deconstruct myself and then like rebuild who I am or, or who I think I am. And yeah, it's, it's, it takes a lot of introspection and it takes a lot of like me time and, and what do I want to get out of this and mm-hmm. where do I want to go? And um, I feel like, we think of self-care as, you know, like therapy, um, yeah. but we don't think of it just as an everyday thing, you know, like, mm. like, like cooking breakfast for yourself and, yeah. and like visiting family and friends or deciding that you don't want to do anything and just stay in bed all day. But mm-hmm. um, we, we don't consciously think about it. And it's a really big part. Um, yes, of getting better, but also of just like going through your daily life. Yeah. It's like it's doing what you need to do and not feeling guilty about it. But it's the guilt part because we, I feel like, you know, it's, uh, my wife and I were having a conversation, uh, a few months ago and, 
she and she works all day long, you know, she's got her office job, she works hard and she comes home and sometimes she just wants to like tune out, you know? And right. but yet she kind of like beats herself up about it a little bit. Sorry, honey. Um <laughs> about like doing it. You know, she's like, "I like TikTok." And I'm like, "Cool. Like that's fine. Enjoy TikTok. Like you don't need to be like I'm a lazy piece of shit because I like listen to TikTok and I like enjoy that." I'm like, "No, just own it. Like if you're going to do it, just own it. Like it's okay." Like I'm not telling you not to. Like you're the only one stopping yourself or you're the one that's impeding that idea, right? Like if you're going to do it, do it and enjoy it and love it and allow it to be uh, that what you need, you know, that self-care for yourself. Um, and you don't owe anything to anyone. Exactly. That to me, it was a very big lesson. Like there's so many things I wanted to do or not do, but just like feeling that because again, talking about community, you, you feel this like, um, I don't know, responsibility with others, which I do believe it's important. I believe in, um, what's the, the, the term in English? It's like a, like effective co-responsibility. I'm making stuff up, but just like, <laughs> I, I do, sure. I do believe we, we have this, um, responsibility towards others and our actions have consequences, consequences. And we need to like have that, keep that in mind. Yeah. At the same time, you owe nothing to anyone and no one owes anything to you. So, Mm-hmm. Even if you're like the worst person in the world mm-hmm. and someone feels like shit because of something you did, like that is still on them. People have or should have or should look for the tools, you know, to like get ahead and, and get over whatever issues they're facing. So mm-hmm. um, it's kind of like a balance between being responsible with your actions and towards others. But at the same time, understanding that people will um, do stuff that, that will hurt you or will mm-hmm. you just will not agree with with them and it is still not on them you need to find the tools to get through that yeah man and that's a that's a tough life lesson that i think we all need to practice a little bit more uh for sure and it goes on it goes into even the conversation about value though you know because i think i i i really believe that we have to have some sort of redemption for the bad things that people do, you know, and wow. uh, I, I see so often we, especially right now in, in the last several years, I, I've really seen it where we see, oh, this person did this thing, you know, it was wrong, it was bad, it was, it, they shouldn't have done it. And then it's this like, uh, that like cancel culture idea of like, well, they did something bad. So like, I can't buy their product or I can't do this and I can't do that. And uh you know, there's an element, it's a balance, it's a gray area, right? But there's got to be, like, a redemptive, like, we've got to find a way, to, a, a path to redemption, you know, of being like, man, you really screwed up, you know, you made you made a really poor decision, but, like, you, yeah, it's over, you did it, You've mo- we've moved on, and, you know, like, if you keep doing it, then we have to hold you accountable, and, and justice is, is important, right? right? But, um... I don't know. We can't. We can't and keep dividing like, each other. We have to like actually work together exactly. and unify. And and I think that redemption and forgiveness and uh, you know that is just a huge piece that I think society is missing out on. Right. I I think um, that this links really well with what we're talking about about identity. Just like we were mentioning, like like 
positive things, right? Like like mm-hmm. your your job and your family and your relationship. Yeah. But when 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 you talked about cancel culture, you made me think, which is like how many people I know that like I don't know ten years ago made a really poor life decision, and up till this day, like that's the the image or the identity yeah. that we think they have. And exactly. I, I don't know. You're giving me something to think about. Later yeah. I, I mean, I do this. I thought the same thing about man because I. I look at me and you, you talked about it like invisible children. You were young, man. I was young. I, we were all babies there, you know, like yeah. I was yeah. like high school. I was, I was a child. Like, I don't know. Like if anybody that's, that's listening, if you're like thinking of me in the same context as like high school, college, uh, invisible children, like, Am I still the same person? Yeah, there's a lot of things that are very same, the same, right? But I've grown up a lot. I've changed a lot, and things are different. And uh, I want you to see me for me now, not for me who I was then. But then I catch myself doing the complete opposite to people from my past, you know? And uh, so it's like I'm I'm talking to myself in the mirror here, you know? I mean, it, it takes two to tango, and we, we both we, everybody has to, to practice that and, and to look at that because it's difficult. And when you look back and you think about, man, you were the you were the guy that like, you know, teased me or bullied me or whatever in in middle school, and it's like, well, maybe they've changed. Maybe they're not that same person, and I can't hold them to that wow. same standard. It's hard, right? It takes maturity. It takes forgiveness it takes tolerance and you know it takes a lot of work but i think it's important and i think it's worth it you're giving me a lot to think about <laughs> man um, my, my parents just just bought a house recently and um one of their neighbors is someone that i went to school with and he was just like he was a bully to me mm-hmm. um, and like when i saw him i was like ooh, like yeah but i mean He's like 30 now. He has a child. He's married. He's like, I have no idea what his story is to me. Yeah. He's still that like 12 year old that would like bully me in school. And mm-hmm. it's funny how like we, we grow up, we like, to me, that's not even relevant now. Like that happened right. over 20 years ago, but, um, like to me, that's still who he is. Yeah. And, um, well, and those feelings are real. Not, yeah. You know, those, that hurt and the, those feelings that you had at that time, if you haven't dealt with them, then they're still there, you know, and like, yeah. it's real. And I don't know, it's, it's not, it's not easy, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's people in my life that are the same way, man. And, and, uh, I haven't figured it out. I haven't solved the, the riddle, but I think it's important to at least be cognizant and intentional about some of those and those things and figuring out how we, how we deal with, you know, the mistakes we've made in the past and, it goes both ways. It it can't just be like, well, they never came and apologized to me. Well, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, have you should, dealt with it you know, either? Like, yeah, maybe they should. I mean, but maybe it's... That was sarcastic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but... Like, a lot of us think that way. Like, like oh, they never said that, so yeah. now they should 25 years later. Yeah. And and going back to what I said, like, someone could have been horrible to you, but it's it's on you to to turn the page. Right, exactly. Oh, I love that. Man, we're 30 minutes in and we're hitting home runs already, man. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Dude, let's throw it back. Let's go uh let's go back to childhood. What was your childhood like? Uh how was childhood for you? My childhood was a roller coaster. <laughs> sure. Um 
like like when I think of it, I had the most amazing um, childhood. Like, um, my parents were always kind to us, and they they always like put their kids at the center of every decision and of and of everything. They were very um, protective of us in a, in a good way. Like it was it was never too much. Yeah. Um, it was always like the right way. Um, but at the same time, I struggled a lot during my childhood. Um, at the moment, I didn't know, but something that all listeners should know is you're listening to an openly gay man right now. So Good for um, you, man. my, yeah, so my childhood was, was a lot of confusion at the same time. Um, mm. just like feelings that you didn't know where they were coming from. And yeah. like I said, there was some bullying at school. Um, I went to an all male Catholic high school and I'm sorry, okay. all male Catholic, um, middle school. Okay. Um, and like primary school and mo- like 12 years of my life. Um, so there was a lot of, um, just conversations happening, mostly surrounding like, like religion that just mm-hmm. like brought a lot of guilt to my life. And yeah, I don't know. It was like a, like a, there were dark times just as they, there were some good times, but sometimes there were more dark times than others and things got a little like rough, uh, Mm-hmm. Right around when I turned like fourteen, maybe fourteen, yeah. fifteen, sixteen, starting mature, um, trying to figure shit out. Yeah, <laughs> and exactly that's that's when you start identifying like those feelings and those yeah. thoughts, and you start putting like names to them. Right. The problem was that that label that I had, that name that I had, was negative yeah. in my perspective at the time. So, mm. um, it was a great, great childhood. We never lacked anything. I wish I would have communicated more, uh, communicated more with my parents, just so they knew what was going on with me. But yeah, um, right after um, like all of those dark times, and when I got like the courage to come out and talk to my family, like mm-hmm. I realized I was always okay. I just didn't know then. Yeah, how, but how are you supposed to know until you you know? Because that's like isn't any secret, anything that you're keeping from the people that you love. Isn't that the the reason that you keep it? Is because you're afraid of their response, afraid of like not being welcomed or accepted or loved or you know, whoever. yeah. And you'd rather, you know, I, I mean, it's not. It's like human nature. And I think, but it's not okay. <laughs> but the, but this is like one of the the things that I struggle a lot with because, like I mentioned already, plenty of times, I do believe it's everyone's responsibility to like be okay and make sure that you're okay. Mm-hmm. Having said that, I think that's a lot to put on a kid and on a mm-hmm. child and on a teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, so in, in, in that particular sense, I do think it's every parent's responsibility um, to make sure that they're okay and to educate themselves on all topics that could be happening to their children, yeah. um, regardless of if it's probable or not that it'll happen. But Every parent needs to be ready um, to have open conversations with their kids about diversity in all of its kinds, about um, something that I that I hold very like close to me right now, just because of the work I do is um, we need to talk to children about saying no. And mm. I feel like a lot of people avoid um, awkward conversations with children because they're children and, you know, like why would they need to to know about this? And of course there's truth to that, but there's ways to approach that. So I, I, I think it's everyone's obligation just to make sure that our children are okay and are 
and they know that they're okay and they know that they can say no or they can say yes and they can be true to themselves and mm -hmm. they can talk or not talk but know that someone i don't know there's a lot of thoughts around this but it's a, um, essentially just saying like you're valued you're respected and you know like i don't know it gives it gives permission to be who you are yeah yeah and and every adult needs to know that and and we mm. don't take that close to to our hearts and we don't we don't do the the tough work yeah and i don't i don't think we're protecting our children the way that we should and sure. I, i struggle with that a bit yeah i mean in some ways we're not doing it for our children because we're not doing it for ourselves right you know? and i mean i don't i don't have numbers right now but i'm sure if you look at like statistics like if you could see how many children leave their homes how many children are kicked out of their homes mm -hmm. regardless if it's related to sexual um, orientation or not yeah um how many children flee their countries seeking protection like yeah it's it's a growing number and and that just talks about how we're we're like taking it for granted we 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 think we're okay when you know like when you when you sweep the dust under the rug mm -hmm. Um, but we need to do the hard work and, and have the, the hard conversations. Mm -hmm. um, children are so smart and they are so perspective. So um, ooh, what's the word? Um, receptive. And mm -hmm. we shouldn't avoid having those conversations with them just because we don't think they're going to get it or they're too young. Yeah. They need to know and we need to tell them it's okay. Mm -hmm. 100% completely agree. I mean, companies even do this with, us as adults as like the consumers you know it's right. like why are you treating us like a child we we can understand you can teach you can talk to us like we're human beings you know like right. you don't have to put some sort of spin on it like just talk to us like be be real with us and talk and i think it's the same you know talking to children like you said i mean having real conversations and not not always right. pulling punches you know like sometimes it's okay to just say the truth and say what's real when when you were you know i guess i think of childhood as like elementary school you know like pre pre-adolescence like pre-middle school but when you think about that um in your search for you know your own identity in a sense do you remember the first time you had like feelings that you were like this i think i have feelings that are different than other people i i do remember it but it it didn't come across that way. Like, I remember, what was it? It must have been, like, fifth grade. So I must have been, yeah. what, like, 11-ish. Um, I, I didn't feel an attraction. Sure. Um, or, or like like I said, I didn't, like, put a label to it. Yeah. But I remember, like, there were specific people, like, in, in my class or, like, teachers even that I would, like, want to be friends with. Like, mm. It, it was like that kind of attraction to put a word to it. Just like, Ooh, I, I want to like get to know you. Like you're really cool. I want to be your friend. I want to. And eventually as I grew older, I realized like those were like the beginnings of, of like me defining who I was to like, yeah. Try, try being more curious about people that looked like me and like, like wanting, wanting to be closer to them. Mm -hmm. um, but there was no like, like definitive moment where I said, Ooh, okay. I have 
you know, like a physical attraction or an emotional attraction yeah. um, to someone that's my same gender. Oh, that means I'm gay. It was a yeah. very like, like a transition that took a few years for me to know. That's cool. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, what were some of your interests as a child, like growing up? I was very, um, I was very geeky. I was very like, like a little nerd and I loved it. I say this in like the most positive way. I loved reading. I loved, um, just like debate club and just Uh like, um, um, I loved watching like discovery channel and like national geographic and, um, I, I read a lot, um, not just like, like, like novels and like Harry Potter. Like I, I yeah. read a lot of like, I remember my favorite book was this book that, um, my parents gifted me when I was like, I don't know, like 12 or 13. I still have it. It was a book about, um, national parks around the world. Okay. Like the most important. And like, it, it talked about like all animals, um, in the region sure. and I loved it. That's cool. Um, yeah, and I, I was very um, into outdoors. Um, my family, um, especially my my grandfather, um, they were very into fishing. So okay. every summer we would go for like months to this lake nice. um, in in a in a place not far from here, and just like stay in the cabin for the whole summer. And there uh-huh. was like a pool, and we had like a, a grill where we would like I don't know do carne asada and yeah. Um, so I was very into outdoors as well. That's that sounds like ideal. Like I, I want to do it, that it right was, now. Like I want to go like the most fun. Stay in your cabin, hang out in the pool, and go fishing in your lake. Like yeah, and then you like eat the fish that you caught in the morning. Yeah. It, it was perfect. That's awesome. That's so cool. What did you say you wanted to be when you grew up? I wanted to be a paleontologist. Nice. Um, I still kind of do, but I think it's too late for me. <laughs> um, that was my dream. Every like, I loved animals, and then yeah. when I found out there were other animals that are not here anymore, like it was so fascinating to me. Jurassic Park to me was like my favorite movie. It, it still is. It, um, yeah, a paleontologist. That's awesome. I think that's what Anne Wang said too. She wanted to be a paleontologist. We were, we were, her and I were talking about our love for like rocks and, uh, yeah, that's so cool. Yeah. It's always interesting. I love like hearing what other people wanted to be when they were growing up. Cause it's just such a, it's a unique mind state, like a mind frame, you know, when you're younger, like you don't know, like you just like see something. It's like something that's fun to you and you're like, I want to be that. Like, I think it's awesome. You know, something, um, funny and I'm, I'm, I'm always going to remember when I was in third grade. So I'm in Mexico, right? So everything's in Spanish Mm -hmm. and we had, we had our um, English classes at school. And Mm -hmm. during the third grade, they gave us the option to take French. Um, And I remember the teacher said, um, French is the language that you need if you want to work for the United Nations. Mm. And I was so young, but when I when I when I heard him say that, I was like, "Ooh, I need to learn French." Mm. And that's when I took my first French lesson. I was like ten ish. Um, it was like two or three months. I didn't really learn anything um, until high school when I went to France. But I do remember, even though I really wanted to be a paleontologist, I do remember since I was very young. Yeah, um, my goal. Yeah. I want to learn French because I'm going to be a diplomat or I'm going to work for the UN. Or mm-hmm. I always saw myself in this like role, like 
I don't know, world peace and traveling everywhere and yeah. meeting people in the community. And yeah, it's really interesting. Like when I got this new position, I, um, when I first entered into the UN system, like I was, of course, very, very excited, but it felt like a very natural growth, you know, like that was sure. my next step. Um, it didn't seem impossible to me. But I always remembered like that image of that little kid saying, "Ooh, I'm gonna learn French because I mm. want to work for the UN." I love that. Um, I love stuff like that. Like, yeah, there's so many like, things like that where you're yeah. like, "Man, I almost like breathed it into existence when I was little." Like, oh, stored that away. Yeah. And then when you see it kind of come to fruition, it's awesome. How many languages do you speak? Right. Only three. Okay. Um, only. So English, Spanish, and French. Only. <laughs> yeah. Only three. Um, Just a few. Well, don't take this personal, but. <laughs> I feel like it's it's very normal in other places to have at least two languages. Oh yes, but in America, it's like the most not, arrogant yeah, country. Like, really. Yeah, no. <laughs> United States, you're like, oh, you speak English, so you know, <laughs> you have privilege, so you're good. Like, <laughs> so yeah, so Spanish, English, and French. I, I cool. took about five years of Italian. Okay. Um. So I think I could pick it up if if I tried, but yeah. There's not a lot of places where I could practice Italian, so yeah, um, makes it more difficult. I will stick to three. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, specifically, kind of focusing on high school, um, you know, middle school, high school. What kind of student were you? That's when I. I mean, I was always a geek, but that's when my grades started going down. Yeah. Um, and that's also when I started having all these thoughts about who I am and what it meant. Okay. And am I going to be rejected? So those were the hard years. And in terms of high school, um, it translated into me not being as good a student, but being very involved in student groups. Mm. Um, those, those, those were the places where I felt safe and where I felt like, there were other people like me, even though at the moment, like, I, I didn't know, but I just, like, felt connected to people. Yeah. Um, so my, my high school years were very, very uh, focused on just, like, life outside of the classroom, mm. uh, which is how I got to Invisible Children. Yeah. Um, how, like, basically how I got to where I am today. So I guess now that I think of it, I'm very thankful for those hard years. Um, <laughs> yeah. But... Yeah, my, my high school experience was, was mostly focused on just, like, planning events and conferences and student mm -hmm. council and all of that. Yeah, I man, I actually, I've never thought of it like that, that, uh, you know, I was kind of the same way. I never thought about, like, I put my focus into, you know, for me, it was always sports. I mean, that was kind of, but it's an ex outside of the classroom kind of thing, activity, yeah. you know, and um, I, I was... I was bullied in, in middle school, um, and I, I think that that was really a, a turning point for me just as an individual, as, as a person of, um, you know, not knowing where I fit in and where I belonged. And uh, I think those questions, it's interesting that you, you know, you kind of correlate those two things of like figuring out your own identity. You know, for you, it was your sexuality. For me, it was just like, oh, where's my community? Who are the people that mm -hmm. I like get along with? Um, but I, that resonates with me because I, I feel like, yeah, the classroom was like, uh, it's not where I found my identity. You know, it's not where I was accepted. It wasn't where I was welcomed in where for you, maybe it was some of these like external groups from, for me, it was sports, you know, the sports teams, mm -hmm. that community was where I was like 
welcomed and ushered in and uh, accepted and kind of found my value. And I think that's transpired and kind of like pushed me into adulthood as well. Um, but yeah, it's really, that's really interesting. I never, I never really like saw it through that, like that lens or that from that angle. Do you remember, I don't know if this happened when, when you were at Invisible Children, because I was there like in two different uh, classes. Yeah. <laughs> But we, we took this like, yeah, we, we took this like personality test. Uh -huh. I, I forget the, the name and they give you like letters and they stand for something, you know, like, yeah, like, like ENFJ. Personality yeah. So I'm ENFP. Okay. And um, I remember um, when we took the test, um, someone mentioned like the the this specific like personality trait that most of us got yeah. was actually very rare oh. um but in that specific place it was most people that had that Interesting. um and um yeah i think I'm it makes me think how like you and i are we probably are i think I um and i mean you and i are very different like yeah. like I, i i don't think i've ever touched like a like a a a soccer ball or a football or like, <laughs> sure. <laughs> but I think there's something, um, we find ourselves in other people. Mm. So like, that was your experience with sports. That was my experience with, with student groups. Yeah. Um, and eventually like there's, there's this uh, phrase that we, we say a lot in Spanish, um, and in the gay community and it's, it's God makes them, but they find each other. Um, and that, That makes me think of like my both my high school experience and my invisible children experience and how like we are all so different, but something happened that we all like came together in that one place. And even though we had this like I don't know like one this personality trait that was like one yeah. percent of like the, the the global population, like at that place it was like seventy five percent of us. Like so, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think. That's what's one of the beautiful things about Invisible Children is we brought all these people. It's it's some so many different walks of life, different cultures, different you know experiences growing up. I mean, think about even the guests I've had on thus far. You know, it's like we've had so many different uh, you know cultural. You grew up in Mexico. I grew up in the United States and conservative, you know, Midwest. Uh, you know, like very different experiences. And but yet I think it's cool. And and this is what I love about you know, just talking about the way I structure the podcast in general of current day childhood back up to current, current day. Like we've all gone through this process. It doesn't matter where you're at. It may look different, but you, you started as a child, you started as a baby, you came, you came into this world as a, as a baby and you've grown into who you are today. And we've all done that. Right. And, uh, it looks different for everybody else, but I think that when we can see other people's journey and that path that they've been on throughout their life and go, you know what? We're not all that different. We've been through similar things. Um, it looks different, you yeah. know, it had a different experience. I viewed it through my lens, but, um, and then I think that translates into, you know, present day, like where you're at, wherever you're at, when you're out in public, you're walking in the grocery store and walking down the street and you, you don't know what the other person's going through. But you know that we're all going through it, you know, and uh, I think I think it's uh, I don't know. I think it's cool. I think it's a unifying thing, and and I, I think it's important to find those things that we can 
look on the positive side of things and find those things that we have in common versus those things that, that divide us and separate us. Right. I agree. Um, what about, I mean, it sounds like your social groups, maybe that's where you found your kind of like group of friends. Did you have a lot of friends? Did you feel like you had a good core group of friends or was that part of the struggle? Um, when I first got into high school, I didn't have a lot of friends. That was when I, when I left, um, like this, like old boys Catholic school where I was in, yeah. and then I, I went to high school and like for the first time in my life, I shared a classroom with girls for the first time in my life. I didn't wear a uniform for the first time in my life. I met atheists. Mm. Um, and like, I, right now when I think of it, like to me, it's like, irrelevant but like people can believe what they believe and that's amazing but at the time it was a shock to me to find out that there were people that didn't believe in what i did um so that first year of high school to me was very very important yeah but i kind of like secluded you know like i just like sat in the corner and was very Mm -hmm. like observant and not necessarily in a in a negative way not necessarily in a like you know, like outcast kind of way. Like I just chose to like not interact and just, just like see what the world was outside of my bubble. Um, yeah. That's, that's when I um, went to France. And then after that one year I came back, um, but I wasn't in, in the same year. So like all, all of my class classmates were a year above me. Okay. Um, Cause I, I didn't do it through school. I just like went independently. Okay. So when I came back um, and it was a, a new group of, of people that I didn't know. And they were like um, a generation like below me. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause like, I don't know at the time I must've been already like, tw- no, like 18, but most of my classmates after I came back, there must've been like 16, which yeah. to me was like a very big difference at the time. Um, Especially when you're in high school, like those, those age gaps feel so like so much bigger when you're younger than they do when you get older. Yeah. And then like, I was already like, I was not the same age as everyone in my, in my, at school. Uh And then I went that year and then came back. So it was already like a, to me, a very big difference. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't until I came back and I like started high school again, let's say, um, where I met my friends that up till this day are my best friends. And um, I had already like processed all this like cultural shock of going to high school and Mm. like, like seeing all of this new like ideas and perspectives. And then that year in France was also a very big cultural shock for me. So when I came back, I was already like this, um, like very like open-minded, open book, like, but like new person. So like I, I fit a lot better with my classmates when I came back. Um, and yeah, like that's when things started getting better. Like I, I mentioned before that those were hard years, but mm-hmm. it was mostly like in my head, but socially speaking, like I was very close to my friends. I, up till this day, they're, they're like my closest friends. And mm-hmm. um, I don't know. It was, it was good. My, I love my friends. That's awesome. What is, what do you think, uh, all the traveling that you've done, what, what, how has that changed you as a person? It has made me as a person. I, when, when things got hard, the only way for me to see better things was 
like going somewhere else, mm-hmm. regardless of if I hopped on a plane or not. Um, I was in a very dark place in my mind, and then I went to Visible Children, and I realized like, ooh, there's like amazing people like mm-hmm. from all kinds of colors, races, religions, shapes, sizes, and yeah. everything is beautiful. So like, it it helps me process things on an individual level when I see things like from an outside perspective mm-hmm. and then just like meeting people and meeting the way things do like, like, um, Marshall bang, you know, Marshall bang, of course. Yep. Right. Yep. So he, he was my teammate and he, and I don't know I if he knows know this and if he's listening, he should know that, um, Marshall was such a crucial point, um, in my decision to come out. Um, cool. When I saw him so free, and I'm not talking about anything, like I, I, I cannot talk about his reality, but yeah, when I saw him just like singing all the time and like dyeing his hair and like <laughs> being as loud as he is and as loving as yeah. he is and everyone <laughs> loved him for being so authentic, like yeah. that was to me like such a pivotal point in my life when mm. I met him and lived with him in a van for three months and yeah. <laughs> um it's through these experiences um, that my life got better and traveling is such a big part of that. Um, when I went to France, I saw like different things than what I had seen here when I lived in the States as well. Um, I don't know. It's, it's hard to put words into it. It's just like, yeah, I think traveling makes things better. I think traveling is education. I think traveling is, Mm. um learning and deconstructing and like unlearning i feel kind of guilty because i also know traveling is like a like there's a lot of privilege sure. in traveling it so is. yeah i, I don't i don't want to right i don't i don't want to be that person that's like oh you should travel to like read the the book of your life no like some people don't get that chance like mm. there's so many like like memes and inspirational quotes about traveling and it makes me feel very aware of some people don't get that chance um yeah and some people just like talk about traveling as if it were like a must for your life, but that's not everyone's reality. But yeah, I'm very privileged. Um, I've I've been blessed enough to go to many places where things work differently, and that has taught me a lot. And it also helps me. Like this is so not humble, but it also helps me like give back, and it helps me like mm, be better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I completely can, agree. Travel. I've never thought, I've never thought of, I've not thought a lot about the privilege of traveling. Uh, you make a good point with that. Um, oh man, I just think traveling even, you know, so even as I'm trying to think of like the way to spin it in a positive way in some ways, I guess, um, if you have that privilege, I feel like you're doing the world a disjust, like an injustice if you don't take advantage of it because it 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 does change your perspective it allows you to see things through a different lens it it opens it opens the door to another world you know and it frees up another space in your mind and and um but even you know as an american even in the united you traveled the united states a little bit you know and like there's different pockets of culture within the united states and that's that's the part you know I, I grew up in small town indiana you know small town illinois indiana and i it's like 
people in my hometown, I'm like, man, get out, you know, or like my own family members sometimes I'm like, Hey, just, it's okay to like leave this little town. You can go to the big city. You can always come back. Right. Like you don't have, like you have this option. Your family's always going to welcome you back. That's a privilege. You're, you're completely correct. But like, do it, like experience something different, find yourself. And I think that that's part of it. I do think there's, there's, yeah, there's, there's ways to travel. Like, um, I remember like being in San Diego and thinking like, this is America yeah. and then going to the deep South. I mean like, Whoa, like yeah. this is another America. And, Wait, um, were you, you don't need a passport too? for that. You don't, were you I was deep- Florida, but we had, I was Florida, but we, we, oh, we right. had, um, a few dates in, um, in Mississippi, Alabama and Georgia, I think. But yeah. It was like see, I was deep South too. My first, uh, my first tour, I was deep South. Really? Yeah, that's right. Because Marshall, yeah, I, you guys were both on like all of our yeah. like Salesforce stuff and like our past like notes Probably. and whatnot. Yeah. And we were the, the first, uh, Florida team at the time. Yeah. Ah, that's so right. I totally um, forgot about that. So I, <laughs> I loved my experience. I don't think, and everyone could have done Florida, but we did and I loved it. Yeah. Um, and the deep South has so much history and culture. Like, mm. We also think of, of in diversity, the, 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 like, the, yeah, and we think of these states as like, well, this is my perspective. I don't know if it's everyone's, but we think of these states as as like places where maybe like at the time there's, I don't know, things could be better for many people, and that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, they are very conservative states, and and that means um, for some people, like, again, things could get better. But at the same time, these are places that hold so much history and culture mm-hmm. and yeah i get so angry when when my americans friends Amer- oh we lost you all right i believe we may can you hear me yes there you are okay perfect i was like no i was on a roll <laughs> um <laughs> i get so angry when they tell me like we have so much culture and they don't mm. But then I'm like, wait, so what about like the the deep south and what about Hawaii and Alaska and what about like you know, like all of the culture you have, Native Americans, national parks, and there's so much to see in, in the United States that I feel people don't and they may take for granted and like I said, traveling is a privilege, but you don't need to go far. Like like yeah. you you can go next door and see something different you can go somewhere in your city there's museums there's Mm -hmm. things to see and yeah um i think there's different ways of traveling my way of traveling definitely is more related to like stepping out of the comfort zone yeah um my family is very like into big resorts and all inclusive and don't leave your hotel room at all and (laughs) i'm more into like like hiking and and getting into like the local culture and stuff but um, I think it's an experience for everyone and, and people need to like step out because that's the only way to see things, like I said at the beginning, things from a, a different point of view and through different eyes. Yeah, for sure. You said, uh, you mentioned how you learned of Invisible Children in high school. Is that correct? Right. It, did you go straight from, you know, your high school to Invisible Children then? I did. I, um... I was, 
must have been my last semester and a friend of mine um she was organizing the screening at the at my high school and she needed help um she was like planning and and organizing and i didn't know what i was getting myself into yeah um i actually didn't see the 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 documentary at the time that was the rescue i didn't see it so i just like hopped in and started planning the event and then a few days before um (laughs) she said i remember the the guest speaker um from the conference um don't have a place to stay their their like hotel situation fell through so they need a place to stay and i just thought like in my mind i was thinking of this like very formal conference um with like a very like professional guest speaker like staying yeah. in, like really nice hotels and i was like how am i gonna host them in my house like that makes <laughs> no sense to me um, and then the day of the screening, like I realized, um, one of them actually had just like gotten out of high school as well, um, from the team in Mexico. Yeah. So I was like, Oh, like they're, they're just like me and, uh, sure you can stay with me. And they ended up staying for like a week at my place. Nice. <laughs> um, and I didn't know it at the time, but anybody listening um, that's I... worked at invisible children realizes how huge that is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't know it at the time, but like they were recruiting me. Like once we got <coughs> training, and they told us like how to find like all these contacts that could like help the organization and stuff. Mm-hmm. I realized, oh, they were recruiting me for sure. Oh, that's so um. Funny. So yeah. So right after high school, I went to Invisible Children. Um, I was there for six months. Did okay. the Florida tour. Um, one of the best experiences in my life. Yeah. And then I went back for um, Coney 2012. Yeah, and you were on the, the street teams. Yes. In L.A. L.A. Yeah. Yes. That's uh, a not well-known uh, branch of Invisible Children at the time. Yeah. And I think, well, at least for, in my experience in L.A., I think it was very successful. I think... Like you said, it's not well known because it wasn't very visual, um, and it wasn't very like. There's not a, yeah, but for the people in the city that needed that support system, mm-hmm. um, I think it was very successful, very important, and yeah, um, yeah, I loved my experience there. Yeah, that's a. I w- I would, we can maybe dig into that a little bit later or something but yeah i would love to talk about that experience or just some of the, that thought i think it just t- would have taken time you know i think the expectation yeah. on how long it was going to take to establish a team there to have this like foundation you know uh, i think was just maybe a little bit skewed as to what the how <laughs> how that would go and what that expectation was but it was a great idea a cool cool concept yeah so you said, um, I'm trying to get to the point maybe of when you did come out finally to your family and to, to your friends and um, you mentioned how Marshall Bang was very influential in your life at Invisible Children and just how free he was. Um, at what point in time, you know, when, when did you come out? When, what was that like? What was that process for you? Yeah. It wasn't that long after 
coming back from IC. I uh, came back in December, and I guess I started coming out in like February or March yeah. of 2010. Um, I started with friends, and um, I took this like huge responsibility of like doing it the way I thought was the proper, ideal, like respectful way. Yeah. For others, which was like coming out like personally, face to face, having a conversation with everyone. Um, so I started with a few friends that I I knew were gonna be okay with it, and mm-hmm. th- to me that was just like a very was like a very needed step, so that I could then come out with those that were harder for me. Yeah. So that I could have uh, people to like fall back on should anything. So sure. I started with a few friends. Um, and then I started with my best friend, um, which, I mean, to me, that was a very, very important um, uh, moment. Just She actually, she didn't believe me, and she thought I was making a joke, because she was always, like, very, like, pro-gay rights. So what I told her, and she thought I was joking, and she got mad. Um, and then, like, we had the conversation, but it was very exhausting, actually. Mm, yeah. Um, so... Yeah, and then I just like kept having the conversation right. with so many uh, people, like, because at, at the, my group of friends at the time was like I don't know about ten people, twelve people, um, but it got so exhausting where it came to a point where I was like, you know what, I'm just gonna do it, do it through text. Um, so I was just like, hey, I want to talk to you, and then if my friends were like, okay, let's talk, let's meet, I would have the conversation, and if they were yeah. like. Ooh, but this week is a little tough. I was like, okay, then you should just know this. I'm gay. Um, (laughs) And I know, but you know what? I'm so proud of that because, and if there's anyone listening to this um, that hasn't come out and feels the need to come out, like we put so much pressure on ourselves. There's, there's no right way to come out. Mm -hmm. And to some people is having the conversation, but to some people is not having it. And not because they're hiding anything, they just like, you know, like from this day on, I'm going to live live my life true to myself yeah. and I don't need to have a conversation. But I feel like we think of like the perfect way and there's no perfect way. Just mm. do, what's, do what's best for you and what works for you. And in my case, it got very, very exhausting. Mm-hmm. So I just decided like, you know, I'm going to finish with this like 10 people then after this, I'm just not going to come out anymore. Like yeah. people are going to find out because I'm almost, I'm also very public about it. So people will know, but there's no need to sit and talk to everyone yeah. um, about it. And like, we come out all the time. Like you get a new job and you need to let right. them know who yeah. you are or you feel the need to do so. Um, that's, that's, so the, that's the part that we're still not there yet. You know, I mean, we've, there's so much like that's taken place in the world but there's still such a long ways to go too, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and again, I'm, I'm very privileged with, with the family I have and with the place I live in. Mm-hmm. Um, Mexico is actually, um, I mean, we have our problems and issues, sure. but we, we're, we also have uh, an accepting society in some spaces. Yeah. And those spaces happen to be where I was. So I was very lucky. Yeah. Um, after I came out with my friends, I started um, a relationship, my, my first boyfriend. Um, nice. And I knew the word was just going to get out. And I was so tired of, of the whole experience of coming out. 
Um, yeah. And I didn't want my parents to like find out through any other way because sure. that was just going to be like a bigger toll on my mind. Yeah. So I told my sister first and she was like, oh, okay, that's great. It was very late at night and like <laughs> I literally told her and she was like, okay, thank you. Um, and then we like just like went to bed. Um, and um, the a few days later, I that was actually the hard part. I, I couldn't talk to my parents mm. it was so hard for me so i wrote a letter um i gave it to my mom first by this time it was already like august or september mm-hmm. um, um so i wrote a letter uh, for my mom and gave it to her and i was like don't read it she had a she had a trip to vegas with her sisters and she's very close with her sisters and she processed a lot of uh, her like life through conversations with her sisters so I was like, read it on the plane, and we'll talk in a week. Don't read it right now. Um, That's a good way to do that, <laughs> Yeah, but then she did read it, like, uh, right there at the moment. Um, so she was like, hey, let's talk. And we had a very, very um, heartfelt conversation, very yeah. true conversation. Um, I don't think she needed to apologize for anything, but she did apologize for just things that she didn't see and things that she wasn't mm-hmm. uh, aware of. I didn't want to tell my dad at the time because, like, the holidays were approaching, and mm-hmm. in my mind, it would make things awkward. Yeah. Um, and she motivated me to tell my my dad as well. So right there, right then, uh, I talked to my dad as well. Um, I was so surprised at how supportive he is. Like. Mm-hmm. Coming from a, like, we are, in general, a religious family. We, yeah. we went to Catholic high school, and my dad was, like, all the stereotypes of this, like, macho man, you know, like, the yeah. fishing and the hunting and the sure. big truck. And um, so I was very scared, but he he responded the way I wish every parent would respond. Yeah. Um, he asked me if I was okay. He asked me if I needed anything. He apologized for not being aware enough about it and promised to learn more about it. Um, Dude. And that was it. It was actually a very, like... That's so cool. I'm, like, yeah. tearing up. That's, like, a, that's like exactly what, like you said, like, that's exactly what you want every parent to, to say and do and, like... Yeah. Uh, that's cool. Yeah, it was, it was great. I, a few years later, I found out that... Um, my mom reached out to some like um like old friends from like her college years years mm-hmm. and like friends of the family um that are gay and are like living in in marriage and have like a stable long-term relationship yeah um so she reached out to them and she had them over for dinner and all of the awkward questions that they would have asked me they asked them instead mm. um and just like asked for advice on how to approach um, these conversations with me and um, wow. basically what they said was don't ask them like if you don't ask your daughter um, about her life or your other son about um, his life in a heterosexual relationship like why would you with him yeah um, and I, that's like such an easy um, concept but a lot of people just feel like because someone came out like it is implied that you need to react mm. Um but it's okay to say, you know what, I know nothing about this, and I will find out about this, and yeah. that's fine. Like, I mean, um, I think in some ways that's probably... Yeah, like, so my experience was great. That's awesome. I think in some ways that's probably, you know, people... 
I don't know, is it the way that they're like trying to show that they accept you and they love you and they like want to know more about you, you know? But it's like kind of going yeah. to the extreme maybe sometimes. Yeah, I do think it's that. Like I I I wouldn't have It's like a positive response to something they just yeah. did, but but it's intrusive. I was so <laughs> surprised that that's how they reacted. Yeah. I did have some other friends just like ask like some stupid questions about my private life that I was like, why do you need to know that? Yeah. Right. Um, but I do think it's, it's with what they knew at the time, it was their way to show support. So it's okay. Yeah. That's cool. Well, good for you, man. I'm like, I don't think we've had many conversations, especially when you were on the street teams and, you know, I spent some time up there in LA with you mm-hmm. and, Elisa and whatnot, but um, I don't know if I knew that story. I think that's a beautiful story. Thank you for sharing it. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Anytime. Um, but at the time, that story was probably still unfolding. Like the whole like coming out, I was still very private about my life. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's cool. When did you? You said you went to college. When did you go to college? Yeah. So I went to college here in in Monterrey. Okay. Um, I went to Tech de Monterrey uh, for international relations. This was 2011, 2010. Cool. Um, And then the situation in Mexico got very, very violent during those years. Mm-hmm. Um, and that had an impact on our like family economy. So I dropped out of school. Mm-hmm. I did... Um, invisible children again in 2012 um because i wanted to like be productive with my time as well yeah and it was through coney 2012 that i realized i wanted to change majors um so i came back and switched from international relations to social communication um so i focused a lot on uh public relations and um um like public speaking community everything we, we basically just talked about um and even though I studied social communications and international relations, like most of my work focuses on where those two areas merge. So like where human rights merge with public relations. Um, and I love that. I, I think even though at the moment it, it didn't feel great, um, dropping out of school at the time was the best decision for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so that I could switch majors eventually and, and get a little more like experience and decide what I really wanted to do with my life. That's cool. What was your first job like out of college? Mm-hmm. Right out of college. Well, <clears throat> because I dropped out of school and did Coney 2012 and moved around yeah. a lot. Um, I didn't finish college till 20, ooh, 2015 or 16. Yeah. So my first job was actually when I went to France um, oh, okay. to teach Spanish. Nice. I think I, I had like a two or three months uh, job at a call center, just like doing yeah. um, customer service. But it was just like a... Like got to pay the bills. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I get that. Cool. Throughout your life, uh, you know, I feel like a lot of times in college at least and sometimes in the high school, middle school years, so, you know, whenever this might have been or whoever it might be, but um, were there anyone or multiple people that you kind of looked to for inspiration that motivated you, that kind of uh, had your back and and pushed you forward as like a mentor or as just a, I don't know, someone who 
yeah, that you looked up to? I did. Um, I think there's there's many people. Most of them, um, it was like a specific point in time. I, I don't think there's like one person that has been there like, you know, through the past 20 years, like from middle school till today. Yeah. Um, but I feel like in every chapter of my life, there was one figure that I either looked up to or was inspired by or could just like uh, go to for advice. Um, I think most of them were teachers. Um, there was one teacher in high school. Um, if she hears this, she will know who she is. <laughs> um, she was, yeah, she was so supportive of me and of all her students. Um, I get the feeling that she knew what was going on with them even before they did, yeah. even before I did. Yeah. And, and she provided that support um, mm. that, that we needed at the time. And she's one of the reasons why my high school experience was positive and, and uh, why all those like dark times never really evolved into something serious. And um, she's great. And until this day, I'm so thankful for her. Mm. Um, during Invisible Children, Marshall Bank, definitely. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I love him. And he... People need to go listen to him and yeah. to his music and go follow him on social media. Like they need to go to that. He Absolutely. is amazing. And he is someone that I think had many um, things against him. Mm. Um, mostly just like, like society, uh, like people don't like loud people. People don't like people being true to themselves. And yeah. Marshall just like tore down every single wall in front of him yeah. and became successful and he's now like living his dream in yeah. Korea. I was going to say, you're going to have to um, help me get I'm him so on the proud podcast. Of him and I love him. You're going to have to help me get him on the yes, podcast. Yes, you should. You should. I, uh, he's, you know, he's, big, <laughs> he's big time now. I don't know if he, you know, I don't know if he'll, uh, yeah. <laughs> if I can get him on. He's, he's, uh, he's pretty popular these days. So that's, uh, maybe one to shoot yeah, for in the he future. Is. He's always been. <laughs> He's always been, but the world didn't know. Uh, um, yeah, exactly. So That's to such me, Marshall, a good way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's so important to me in my life. And mm -hmm. we, we, we still um, talk relatively often. I, I saw him a few years ago, and, and we chat every now and then. So, and just so um, I love him to death. Just so um, everybody listening, we're talking about Marshall Bing. He's a, uh, it's K-pop, right? Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, so he's... Uh, so he... he yeah, he was he was my teammate here in, in I mean in during Invisible Children. So we lived yeah. together in a van for three years and he was he was my leader and my mentor and I learned so much from him. But after that, um, he got and I don't know how, so I'm, that's something for him to tell, but he got on a reality show in South mm. Korea. Um, similar to like, I don't know, American Idol, X Factor sure. um, kind of style. Um, and that's where he just like boom you know like he he's he's now doing great with with k-pop music in, yeah. in south korea and i've seen him traveling around like giving concerts and he's amazing yeah so go check him out search marshall bang and uh give him a listen and hear some of his music and his stuff and uh we'll work on getting him on the show one of these days fingers crossed <laughs> <laughs> I'll talk to him. <laughs> perfect, perfect. You're my you're my guy. Uh, we're kind of wrapping things up here. We're getting towards the end of the show. I've got four more questions. 
if you thought the other ones okay. and you know in the first half of first part of this uh were tough then we got some four four tough questions coming at you you ready ready all right first one is what would you say you're most proud of to date okay that's not as tough that's that's easy i'll use it, I'm, it. <laughs> yeah i'm i'm proud i'm proud to be here i'm proud to be living my dream mm. um to some people it might well i don't know what other people might think but it feels like to some people um life is just like an easy breeze or that's the way it's seen from the outside and there's been so many hard times uh i feel like in my life there's been a lot of obstacles and the fact that i can be here and talk to you the way i'm talking to you and be okay with people listening to this story and yeah. like that i'm just so 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 proud you should be it's cool thank you it's cool and you you as a human being like you have so much value and so much worth and so much to give the world. So thank you for, for sharing parts of your story and being open and vulnerable. It's, it's huge. It's awesome. Thank you. What do you look forward to most in the future? Do you have any goals or ambitions? Yes. Um, I'm really, really excited. Um, and this is mostly focused to, to, to work, but, um, as as I'm still fairly new to the to the UN uh, system and to UNHCR, I'm just really really excited about what may come, whatever that is. Um, yeah. I've learned a lot this past year, and I really do wish I can I can grow um, with my colleagues and and with my office and and in the work that I do. Cool. Um, I was just selected for a fellowship in innovation, so I'm really really excited to see where that goes. Um, thank you. I, I'm still not sure what that's going to look like. Um, but it's like a year long process and, and I'm just really, really excited to, to be a part of it. That's cool. And my masters finally, I, I thank you. Um, with the struggles that I had with education and both financially and academically, Mm -hmm. um, the fact that I'm doing my masters right now while working is to me, it's like, a huge accomplishment and I'm really excited to like mm. um just like keep learning it's only been a semester so it's still a long way to go but I'm really really excited about what's coming and what are you getting your master's in it's in refugee protection and forced migration studies nice man yeah. that's cool that's a very like specialized and fits perfectly yeah. like, into <laughs> what you're like doing now though with the UN so that's great do you love it yeah do you ever think about your legacy like when you look back on your life, like what do you want your legacy to be? Um, oh, that's a good question. I I mean, not as often as I probably should think about it. Um I in recent years I have thought about it a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um and not through my own initiative. Um something beautiful that had that has happened um was that through my work, a lot of people approached me and, and other colleagues to thank me um, and thank us. Um, and of course, that's not the reason I do it. But whenever I hear people tell me like how an action uh, I took or how just like, you know, like a workshop or like some guidance that I gave positively affected them. Yeah. Um, like it feels great, but it's also made me think about what I 
want to keep doing. And mm. um, again, this is not humble for my part, but I'm very, very happy to say that if I were not here tomorrow, I can say that I have left a legacy. And mm. I hope that I can keep expanding on that. But I do think I have already made a difference. And not a lot of people can say that. And those who can say it, I feel like don't say it. Mm. Um, I, I've mentioned the word twice already. I feel like we live in a world where we value uh, being humble a lot, and we confuse that with hiding um, how proud we are and hiding our accomplishments. And I think more people need to share what they're good at and what, what they love and, and, and what they can like share and teach others. So again, I'm and I scream it to the world, I'm so, so happy that I have already made an impact and people's lives have gotten better because of work I have done. With other people, of course, this is a team effort, but it's it's beautiful to be able to say that, and that's something I want to keep expanding on. That's awesome. We're we're running short on time here, but I got one last question. Looking back, what advice would you tell little Aram? I would. Oh my god! I. I just keep pushing mm. um, and um, be more daring um, and don't wait. Mm. Um, I would say you're going to live a great life, but the sooner you start, the better. Perfect. Well said. Thanks so much for coming on the show, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Shane. This has been really fun. We've got about uh, 40 seconds here. I'm going to close this out and uh, we'll go from there. But thank you so much. It, it means a lot for your vulnerability and, and your ability and, and willingness to share your story. So thank you. Thank you, Shane. This this was a great experience for me as well. So thank you. Awesome. Well, thank you all so much for listening. If you want to contribute and, and help uh, share the story. We really appreciate that. Go on social media, share the podcast, share this podcast, uh, and let us know what you think. We really appreciate you all out there. Thank you all so much. We love you. Peace.